0: Let us pray together, Father in heaven. As we have gathered here today, we thank you that you would meet us here. We thank you for each one that is in person. We thank you for each one that is online. And I pray, Lord, that as a community, as we have gathered together, we would hear from you, that you would meet us here, that you would touch our hearts. But most of all, Lord, that we would have open hearts to hear from you this morning. And we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Nice to have you here, have a seat. I think it's time for the kids to go on to Kids Connection and prepare for their classes. Thanks to all the workers that are involved in that ministry. (laughs) Well, as I've said, welcome for those of you that are in person, those of you that are online. That's nice to have to hear. And we're starting a brand new series on forgiveness called The Grudge. And as I stand up here before you this morning, I'm asking myself, what was I thinking? Yeah, this is not going to be an easy series um, by any means. Um, I was reminded recently um, at a previous church a number of years ago, I remember speaking on the topic of forgiveness. And I could feel, um, you know, and just feel that something, you're creating tension in people. And this one particular person, um, I could really sense that they were getting... Uh, more angry as this, the, the message was going. And sure enough, after the series, after the message, the person came up to me and said, I need to talk to you, okay? So, you know, we set up a time and all of that. And as I sat down with this person, um, he let me know that he was an uncle of uh, a young woman who had been murdered And if I told you the name of the murderous couple, you would recognize them right away. And so he's listening to me talk about forgiveness, and yet there was this traumatic event in his life that forgiveness was virtually impossible for him. And I remember spending Many times, many coffee meetings after that, trying to work through any concept of forgiveness with him. And, you know, this topic is really important. Uh, You know, we live in a time of unprecedented conflict, even within the church. Um, From a cultural standpoint, like, you know, I I think from a cultural standpoint, we have lost the sense of forgiveness you know in fact the the thoughts of an apology anymore seem out of line with our personal rights you know our personal abilities to express what we want etc etc so I'll talk about that a little further in just a minute and and, you know I'm using a number of resources and I gotta tell you there's a number of resources don't even agree with each other about what forgiveness even is or how do you enact forgiveness Or what to expect from forgiveness or, or what, the, what the steps towards forgiveness are. So if you haven't clued in it all yet, this is going to be a little biblical. <laughs> We're going to take this from a biblical standpoint. So I want to start this morning um, by all the tension areas that are created by forgiveness. And, and, and let me just say, there isn't a person in this room and there isn't a person online or anybody that's gonna to listen to this message, message that hasn't in one way or another struggled with forgiveness. Forgiveness is a really important topic, okay? So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to just lay out um, all the different tensions with forgiveness. Um, and let me know, don't, don't let me know if any of them resonate with you, but after almost 30 years in ministry and on a personal and professional level, here are all the things, even dealing with counselors and people over the years, where forgiveness uh, causes tension for people. Okay? The first one, the first one, um, at least for me growing up, forgiveness was a, was a two-person endeavor. Okay? It was... At least from my standpoint, it was always a minimum of two people, right? Uh, the person that was hurt and the person that caused the hurt, right? Here, here you have the, the um, you know, kind of like the, the setup for forgiveness, if I could say it that way. And I always thought there was a closure to forgiveness, that you needed a closure, that the person that hurt you would apologize, you would accept that apology, and it would be done. That's the way that I was always taught forgiveness worked. But what happens when forgiveness doesn't happen in the sense that the person never apologizes? What happens then? What happens if the person has passed away? So an apology is impossible. You know, Do you ever have closure to forgiveness? Is forgiveness ever... A possibility or does it include something different? Okay, um, that's, that's my first tension when it comes to forgiveness. I always think that you have to close the loop if you want to say that, but I know lots of people who, you know, forgiveness is still hanging out there somewhere and it's never kind of been resolved, at least to their satisfaction. Secondly, Here's the second tension with forgiveness, is forgiveness, the way we treat it, is kind of in a one-dimensional way. Um, And what I mean by that is that, you know, in the same week, I had someone who um, was called a name at work, and when they were really struggling with that to be forgiven, and at the same time, a family whose child had been abused. Okay? Now, we treat forgiveness... Mm-hmm. you know, the same for both of those situations and both of those circumstances. But you have to admit, there's a lot more emotional, um, you know, uh, conflict for the person who had a child that was abused. A lot more emotional um, problem there. So how do you reconcile that, you know, one, one act is far more traumatic than another act, and yet we treat forgiveness as this kind of one-dimensional way. All right? So, you know, expectations of forgiveness are totally different in both of those cases. Thirdly, forgiveness can be weaponized. Have you ever had somebody weaponize forgiveness against you? There are those who do harm to us, and then they say, oh, you need to forgive me. And if you don't, Okay, have you ever had, had that, you know? In fact, did you know that one of the telltale signs of a sociopath is they are usually people who feel highly victimized by society? Okay, so if you know somebody in your life that's always playing the victim, that is, that is according to um, psychiatrists and that, that's usually an indication of someone who is a sociopath. And a sociopath is typically one out of every 25 people in society. In our population, is a bona fide sociopath. Did you know that? Wow. <laughs> so um, that's what happens, and and that's what a sociopath does. They'll play the victim. They get sympathy from people, and they'll use that as a means of you know gaining people's trust and gaining people opportunity in the relationship. So that's another way that you know, uh, forgiveness can, can be weaponized. Here's fourth. If you're a believer here this morning, if you're a believer online, if you're a believer here this morning, um, forgiveness is a non-negotiable for people who are followers of God. There are co- all kinds of therapists, social media influencers, uh, you know, uh, professional people, people, uh, you know, people in the arts who always advocate for forgiveness. So they say you should forgive, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're not a follower of God, you can take that advice or leave it. You don't have to, uh, you know, say that I need to forgive anybody. Outside of the church, you don't have to forgive anybody. That's not a mandate unless your boss at work forces you to do that. But outside of the church, you have a choice whether you want to forgive or not. As part of the church, unfortunately, if you're a believer, that is a non-negotiable. At some level, forgiveness has to be a part of your experience. Now, I know that's a huge tension area, isn't it, if you're a believer here this morning? Because you're probably sitting there this morning thinking of particular situation, if you're a believer here this morning, of a, of, of, a, of, a, of a hurt, of a pain, of something that is going to be really difficult for you to navigate with forgiveness. Fifth, here's the fifth tension that I, I think happens with forgiveness, is that we can have an overwhelming sense of guilt. Uh, you know, when forgiveness is hard, which is just the point that we just said, for many people, uh, forgiveness can be really hard. There's a trauma there. There's, there's something that, in fact, you can't even point to the very person who did it to you because there's just so much, uh, you know, even cultural influence or something. But there are, you know, there are times I've sat with believers and they're struggling with forgiveness but added to the struggle of forgiveness is this incredible guilt they have because they're struggling with forgiveness. And they'll say to me, I know that Jesus says that we should forgive. But this hurt is so deep. This hurt is so painful. This hurt is something I'll never forget. And yet, how can I ever forgive? How can I ever forgive? So they carry not only the inability or the emotional difficulty they have for forgiving, but they carry the guilt along with it. Okay, number six um, forgiveness can feel like we are letting people off the hook. That's one of the things that happens with forgiveness. We can feel like we just let people off the hook. Um, you know, they did this to me. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, how many of times have we said, I didn't feel the apology was sincere. We have this sense that they just apologized, you know, just to get it out of the way. And yet, you don't feel the kind of restitution that you wanted. Okay, So um, I have a seventh, but I'm going to hold on to the seventh in in just a minute. But I don't know if you resonate with any of those tensions when it comes to forgiveness. But at some level, at least in my personal and professional uh, life, I've had every one of those tensions come up when it comes to forgiveness. So we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to dive into, I think, the two most difficult passages in the entire Bible when it comes to forgiveness. Okay, Matthew 6, 14 is the very first one. If you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, Um, can we all say ouch? One, two, three, ouch. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, That's a hurt, isn't it? That's a tough one. This passage, by the way, comes right after the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name. You know, and then it says it has that one section in it. That says, forgive us our trespasses, you know, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And that entire prayer—it's not very long. That's kind of like the one personal piece that's added in there. And Jesus even reinforces that piece because at the end of it all, this is what he says about forgiveness. Okay? Um, so this, is, this passage is not talking about you losing your salvation. All right? It's not a passage about losing your salvation, but it's a passage about your daily lives and how you live out your life in terms of forgiving others and your relationships and all that kind of stuff. Now... Why this is such a hard passage to navigate, it's because it's an absolute statement, okay? If you do this, God will do this. If you don't do this, God won't do this as well. And absolute statements in the Bible are really tricky, really, really tricky to navigate. I'm going to try my very best to explain this. And um, it's a bit of uh, what we call a hermeneutical trick, or a hermeneutical way that you have to deal with these particular passages. Uh, And I'm going to use a parallel absolute statement to kind of show you how to navigate this particular one. How many of you remember in the Ten Commandments it says, Do not steal? Okay? Do not steal, and there's a period after it. And do not steal is an absolute statement. It doesn't give you any outs in the sense that, okay, do not steal, except if you're starving to death and you have to feed your family. Do not steal, you know, unless it's from a zillionaire, and he'll never know that you took 25 cents from him. Okay? It doesn't give you an out. It's an absolute statement. If you steal a pencil from your boss, In God's eyes, that is stealing. That is an absolute statement. And that's one of those statements that, you know, stealing is stealing is stealing when it comes to God, okay? And absolute statements are needed in the Bible because of our humanity, our tendency to humanity, okay? Here's here's what would happen if we had, you know, if we had all these outs, we would create outs until such a time that stealing doesn't matter anymore, okay? That's the tendency that we would have if we had all these particular outs. That's why God has to say to us, stealing is stealing is stealing is stealing, because we can rationalize and we can justify times where we're going to think stealing's okay. And they may be okay, but in God's eyes, it's still stealing. And that's part of the problem that happens. And in fact, we will justify stealing to such an extent, to such an extent, that we will pay insurance companies to protect our property and our possessions from each other. No? No? Am I crazy? Okay? How much do we have to protect ourselves from each other? That's a tough statement, isn't it? And the same with forgiveness. And forgiveness has the tendency to break a cycle of hate and anger, okay? If we we don't allow forgiveness to enter. You did me wrong, I'll get you back. You did me wrong, I'll get you back. You did me wrong, I'll get you back, I forgive you. Okay? That's what happens in a cycle if forgiveness isn't part of the equation. Now, those are just some hard realities and some absolute statements because God is absolutely righteous. God is absolutely good. God gives us plan A of how we best should live, and yet we end up in C, D, E, F, some of us all the way to Z. Okay? But forgiveness is very, very, very... So this is a very demanding passage, very demanding passage, but it's one of those absolute statements that comes out of the Bible. So we have to navigate it very, very clearly. Second passage comes out of Matthew 18, 21, where Peter goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, uh, contextually, you have to understand what's going on here. Peter is reciting a rabbinical understanding of forgiveness. The rabbis at the time would say, a person if they for, you know ask for forgiveness three times, it's authentic repentance. But if it's a fourth time, don't forgive them because they're lying. They're not truly repentant. If they've done it four times, that's the limit. And Peter, in asking Jesus, is kind of going above the limit. He says, okay, um, seven times. And Jesus goes, no, no, you're missing the point. In fact, if the person asks for forgiveness, you should be at least gracious enough to say okay. Say okay. And Jesus then goes ahead right after this, and you're probably in your life group going to do this, goes ahead and tells a parable after it. He tells the parable of a king who calls in a servant who owes the king a lot of money. And, you know, it's, it's in the millions. And if you want to convert it to today, it's just a lot of money. And the person can't pay for it, can't pay the, the king back at all. The king says, you know what? I'm going to forgive the debt. And then that same servant goes to somebody who owes him money, and it's only a small amount and doesn't forgive him. And in fact, you know, demands the money and everything. The king hears about it and takes this guy, throws him into jail and says, how can you be ungracious and unforgiving when I forgave you a lot and you wouldn't forgive a little? That's a pretty powerful parable that Jesus told. All right? All right. But here is the point of all this, and here's, here's what's really important for us to realize, that Jesus is moving us into a direction of this, that as believers, we are called to lean into forgiveness as opposed to vengeance, revenge, or retaliation. And that should be on the screen in just a second here. As believers, we are called to lean into forgiveness as opposed to vengeance, revenge, or retaliation. That is biblically what we are called to do. We are called to lean into forgiveness. Um, as difficult as that is, that is what God expects of us, okay? Now here I want to point out uh, point number seven that I've struggled with, right? And I call this the problem of the God to human Uh, concept of forgiveness. How does God forgive us? God forgives us when we repent. God forgives us when we come to him and we ask for forgiveness. We repent of our sin. We ask God to make us whole again. We ask God to, you know, um, cleanse us from, you know, the, the things that we've done in our lives and to make us new creations and stuff like that. Okay? And where I struggle with this whole idea of forgiveness, and this is a personal struggle, is why is it when it comes from people to people, we don't model the God to human concept of forgiveness? That we are called to forgive, but what about this thing called repentance? What about this thing of a person sincerely coming to you and saying, I'm really sorry, I hurt you, I hurt you deeply, would you please forgive me? Okay? Now, I don't have an answer for that. Maybe that'll be next week's message. Okay? But that's another tension area because I think one of the things that we assume right away is that the minute somebody's done wrong, you're called to forgive, but, but where's, the, where's the repentance? Where's the desire for reconciliation? Where's the desire for... Something to happen that allows the forgiveness to be genuine, authentic, real, and to close the loop. Okay? That's another struggle area that you need to wonder about. No? Yeah? Okay? Um, And I struggle in that area um, where we're just haphazardly told to forgive. But that is not the God to human versus human to human you know, paradigm that equals the way God forgives us. And I know that's a problem. I know that's going to cause some people some anxiety and some difficulty. But I think that's a really important aspect to forgiveness, at least the way it's presented biblically. First John nine says, uh, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all, all wickedness. That's the pattern given in the Bible. Okay? And, I, and of course, we, we need to lean into forgiveness. I know that's very, very important, but that's what we need to do. And I know I've raised a lot of questions. This is an introductory um, message, and I know I've probably raised a whole bunch of questions, and I promise you in the next, you know, three messages after this, we're going to start putting some, some meat on, on these in, in, in ways. But I do want to present really quickly a model moving forward. This comes from Dr. Henry Cloud. This comes from other counselors and um, uh, other, uh, other people who specialize in this kind of thing. And I think it's really, really important um, if we at least give you the framework and see if we can't work with this moving forward. But number one is this uh, forgiveness has to do with the past. Forgiveness has to do with the past. This is what you know, Dr. Henny Cloud presents, a number of other counselors present. Um, I've even heard counselors locally um, um, say this. Uh, Wrong can never be undone, but it can be forgiven. Wrong can never be undone, but it can be forgiven. To forgive for many writers means to let it go. Okay? That's why sometimes forgiveness falls on our shoulders when you look at this kind of model. It's, am I willing to let this thing go? Okay, Because forgiveness deals with the past. And we don't want to be trapped by the past, by things that have happened that allows us to continue with an unforgiving spirit moving forward. Because that has happened and it's virtually impossible to to correct or realign it or anything like that. This is why uh, it it means um, for many people that forgiveness has to start with us in one way or another, okay? Um, the, next, the next two is reconciliation deals with the present. Reconciliation deals with the present. So you've been hurt, okay? It, it's festering in the present, then we move into reconciliation. How does that handle, okay? Um, And I guess I'm I'm just introducing these next two parts, but we're going to unpack them as, as we go. Okay? And third, trust has to do with the future. Trust has to do with the future. Okay? Okay. The main point is this. If we keep everything clearly differentiated from what is forgiveness... What is reconciliation? What is regaining trust again? It's a whole different way of navigating forgiveness, I think, in a way that's far healthier than some of the things that we've been talking about or some of the things that we've been brought up and all the tensions that I raised at the beginning of this. Okay? So those are um, kind of like the three time periods that we want to deal with when we want to deal with forgiveness as we move forward. I know for some of you, this is just a really raw topic. I just pray that you have an open heart uh, to hear. You know, I'll tell you, you know, and and by the way, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I'm dealing with a situation personally right now that is virtually... I want to say virtually impossible but it but it's not but I would have a very difficult time finding forgiveness in the situation I'm personally in right now. So don't think you're alone in in any of this because I'm personally right now struggling with forgiving a situation that has deeply deeply hurt me. So when we talk about you know the the emotional um you know thing that exists inside of us that demands forgiveness and yet creates a barrier within us. I totally get it. I totally, totally get it. So can we for the next three weeks navigate this in, in a godly biblical way so we can be a good example of what it means to forgive just as Christ Christ, God in Christ, forgave us. Can we do that? All right, let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this introduction to a really difficult topic. So Father, I pray that as we begin this series and continue to navigate for the next three weeks, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the importance of forgiveness, Uh, see how we can navigate it in a biblical way and honor what you have forgiven us of and to do so in a way that restores relationships, that helps us to navigate those difficult and emotional times but brings us to a place, Lord, where... Um, we can release the past in a way that doesn't bring us hurt or difficulty or continue to uh, expose the wound in a way that hurts us on a daily basis. So Lord, help us to navigate this so well. And we pray for each and every one in this earshot of these messages that they would be blessed but they would find healing in the power of forgiveness as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name, amen.